Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. November with a new worship series and we're going to be focusing on this parable of the talents and not the talents that we're used to talking about like a talent show or America's Got Talent which some days it's kind of iffy but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about the biblical concept of talents and Jesus took the time to tell us this parable so we should take the time to listen and to learn it and today we're going to be starting with the servant, or actually the slave, according to the text, who receives five talents, and the next week we'll do two, and then one, and then we'll explore all together what Jesus was telling us. And the fact that it takes us an entire month to unpack a parable should tell you just how much Jesus has put into that parable, and so we want to explore that. The first thing I want to t share with you is... What is a talent in the way that Jesus was referring to it? And I have a slide to show you this. A talent is 15 years worth of a laborer's wage. So I have used my wage, $50,000 is my gross salary before tithe or tax. And if I multiply that by 15 years, we're talking about three quarters of a million dollars. That's a lot of money. I've never had that kind of money. Apparently, it'll take me more than 15 years because I tithe and pay taxes. But that's the kind of money that we're talking about. And not only are we talking about that much, but the first servant, the first slave, gets five times that. And you'll see that we're talking about, if you go forward in the slides, one more, $3,750,000 are entrusted into this slaves hands it's a lot of money to give to somebody and so in this story Jesus is telling us about how much God has entrusted into our care and we're not just talking about money we're talking about the full encompassment of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ we are talking about the very same things that people pledge in their membership vows we're talking about their time their talents, their gifts, their graces, their service, their witness. We are talking about all of these things. And God has given us so much. And yet, according to the parable, God seems to be expecting a lot back in the investment. And if we look and we follow down the line here, we'll see that just because one slave gets one talent, we really shouldn't thumb our noses at that. That's still a lot of money a lot of resources, a lot of potential. And the parable is about our potential. What has God placed in our hands and what can we do with it? Now, I realize that we live in a compartmentalized culture in the United States, right? Separation of church and state, separation of what you're supposed to talk about in public and what we talk about in private. And so in this realm that we live in, we don't often think holistically. We don't think about the fullness of our being, and yet that is precisely what Christ is calling us to focus on right now, who we are in our entirety. 
So I'm not just talking about people who are tithing here. I'm talking about all of us in whatever form in which we serve the Lord. Now, in the parable, when it opens up, we have the master, and the master has three slaves. Now, some translations will use servants, but I want us to focus on the fact that it actually says slaves. This was indentured servitude. Most of the time in Jesus' day, people sold themselves into slavery to pay for a debt, to ensure that they would be able to earn a living. They couldn't do so independently, so they came under the auspices of another household. Wherever it was, these are not people who are free to simply leave their master. They don't just get up one day and say, I've had enough, I quit. Instead, there is a relationship and a bond there. And so within that framework, this master hands his three slaves an incredible amount of money the likes of which they've probably never seen, they will probably never own for themselves, and yet here it all is, much like the annual budget of the church. Here it is, what do we do with it? And so we think oftentimes, when we're sitting in the pew, and I do remember those days when I was a young lady sitting in the pews, sitting in the pews and remembering that they pass around the offering plates or the baskets, and you put the money in, and then it comes up here, and we bless it, and it goes off, and you go, well, that was nice, what now? What happened to it? Part of what we do day in and day out of the church is dependent upon what happens here. And what happens here is entirely up to you who sit there. And Jesus is telling us that. So I want to explain a little bit about just what happens after the gifts go away, after they're whisked off the altar. So this week I received a report from our food pantry. And I don't know if you're aware of this, we have two food pantries in this church. The Monday, mor- the Monday afternoon one that opens up is part of the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank Network. We are part of the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank. And the one that happens on the third Saturday distribution is USDA. So that's federal, and this one is more regional and local. And so the Monday one reported to me what they did in October. And I want to share this with you. So there were five days, five Mondays, that they were open last month, and they're open for five hours in that time frame. In five days, over five hours, they fed 435 people. Wow. I even checked to make sure the number was right. I can't feed my whole family of 10 in five hours. We fed 435 people. And if that isn't profound enough, this next number really blew my mind. Of that 435, 180 were under the age of 18. Teenagers, children, toddlers, and infants. 180 children were fed in October. Think about all that was able to be accomplished by the volunteers at the Monday food pantry. That's just Monday. That's just what they were able to do. I'm not going to be able to feed that many people. I don't know if any of you want to try to feed that many people on your own in five hours. But because of the intentionality and the investment of our congregation, we were able to do something that, quite frankly, even on paper looks pretty impossible. 
we were able to feed this many hungry lambs of God. We were able to do precisely what Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46 were telling us to do. We were able to do something incredible. Now, maybe you're not impressed by those numbers. Maybe you're not. If you're not impressed by those numbers, good. Because I don't think this is the pinnacle. I don't think this is the grandest report we're going to see. I think we can do more. I think that the more disciples of Jesus Christ that commit to being the kind of slave for the kingdom that the first slave was with his five talents are going to be able to beat this number exponentially. There are hungry people in Crozet. There are hungry people in Albemarle County. And God has sent them here. And if we continue to feed them, then God is not going to go, well done, good servants, we're going to cap you out at about 500. God will send us more. That's what the parable says. The parable says that the slave who got the five talents, the almost $4 million, was able to double it in a long time. I'm guessing that's more than a month. I would hope so. Otherwise, we're probably talking multiplication by Vegas standards, and that's a different church. Instead, we're talking about someone who, in the service of their master, was very intentional and thoughtful and invested in a way for the long term. It wasn't a one and done. It was going out and making trades and increasing what had been given to them. There's no talk in the parable about fear. There's no talk about, well, let me sit here for a little bit and try to gauge what I'm supposed to do. The slave knew, I serve my master. And if my master entrusts this to me, then I serve to the fullest extent of my ability. And I doubled it. And you'll notice the response of the master upon his return is, I trusted you in a few things. Now I will trust you in many. Do we want to be the kind of congregation that says, Lord, we'll feed 500, but after that, you better call the Baptists. <laughs> Do we want to be that church? I'll tell you, there are churches out here that say that. There are churches in the world that think that they have a limit and they're going to cap it. Lord, we'll worship 800 on Easter, but don't send us 1,000. Do we want to be those people? Do we want to be the slave that says, I'll do just so much, and then you're going to have to find another servant. That's not the parable. The parable that Christ gives us is that when we invest of ourselves, our time, our talents, our gifts, our service, our presence, and most especially our witness, that when we are intentional and we collaborate with one another and we combine, when we are afraid, when we are joyful, when we are scared, when we are happy, when we are not quite in sync with one another, when we have divergences in worship styles, when we are not exactly what we could picture as the body of Christ in the kingdom to come, when we stay committed to these service, then we shall reap. And Christ commands it. The model that is set forth in the first slave is doubling what we have been given. Doubling it. If God has given us 435, then let's double it. You have already done this. 
Do you remember last uh, two summers ago when a mission team from your church, mostly filled with high school youth, went down to Belize? And there they heard the story of a young woman named Dominga who was no longer able to continue on into high school because free education ended at middle school, and so she was not going to be able to go to high school. And they said, we're going to figure out some way to raise that money. And this church not only raised enough for Dominga, but then Pathlight called us and said, hey, would you like to sponsor Manuel too? And we did. Would you like to know that I received an invitation last week to go see them graduate in May? God called that mission team and placed on their hearts one scholarship. One scholarship. And they came back here, and your generous response, your desire out of your blessing to bless another, blessed two. You doubled what was given. We can do this. We can continue this. We can bless more. And today, in the life of the church, when we remember those who made the commitment to actually be a part of us, not only in presence, but on paper, those who said, I believe so much in what Crozet United Methodist Church is that I officially want to be a part of it, when we remember their gifts and their service, when we remember the kind of disciples that were more than just examples they were loved ones. They were family and friends. They were our neighbors. They were our family of faith. When we remember them, we recall that God has called us for a very high purpose. And that legacy isn't about a plaque. It's not about a branch of a building. Legacy is about changing the way the world is. It is about changing lives. When I went to seminary, one of the things they loved to tell us was, remember, the church existed before you, and it will exist after you. It was meant to be a humbling reminder that the church is greater than any one clergy. And that is very true, thank God. However, it also reminds me that the work of the church goes beyond my life. My service in my life, it goes beyond. And I am laying the foundation now for what my legacy shall be. And so are you. Together we are laying our legacy. Are we going to be the people who radically change the way the church is so that more and more people will call this their home? More and more people will decide that they want to be a covenanted part of our church and want to serve and give and bless here? Or are we just doing this for the time being? Because every day we can make a conscious decision to change this world. And I'm not talking about going out and being Nelson Mandela. I wish we could all be that awesome. Instead, I'm talking about the way in which we invest in other people. Two days a week, Monday and Tuesday, I gather here with preschool children and I lead them in chapel. And you might expect me to do things like sing songs with them like Jesus loves the little children, and I've done that. You might expect me to read them some Bible stories and teach them the difference between David and Goliath, and I've done that. You might expect me to, you know, introduce them to some of our worship elements, and trust me, I have. But day in and day out, the biggest lessons I teach them 
are not to be a bully, to find the bully in the text and not be like them, to be hospitable, to welcome new children, to welcome children who look different, to welcome children who don't necessarily like the same things that they like or who haven't been here since they were two. I teach them about forgiveness and how do we forgive and how do we say I'm sorry. I teach them about that because those are the things that will change this world. And I wish I had learned those lessons when I was two, three, four, or five. It gets a lot harder the older you get. But I know that if we ingrain in those children right now grace and a love of God and neighbor, that will change their lives. And I know that when all of us together make that kind of commitment, we can feed 435 people in five hours. I've been lost in Wegmans for five hours. <laughs> Just think about the last time you flittered away five hours. Just think about what God did in five hours through disciples of Jesus Christ. We are incredibly blessed. God has intentionally blessed us. God has given us things like our finances, our time. This is not a community that has to slave away before the sun rises and after the sun goes down. Many of us have space in our week. And God has given us that space to sow the seeds of the kingdom. And there are many things that we could be doing. There are many places you could be right now, and some of them would be feeding you much more than I will. But instead, something deep within you, and I think it's the Holy Spirit says, that we come here because this is where we are called. And today, on the Lord's Day, in the hour of worship, this is where we are called. But for the other hours of your week, for the other times of your life, God is calling you to go somewhere else. And maybe it's a food pantry. Maybe it's a prison ministry. Maybe it's to work with children who need tutoring. Maybe it's to go on a mission project. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. I know that if we commit ourselves as individual disciples and as the body of Christ that is Crozet United Methodist Church, in a year we will look back and we will say, 435? Why so low? I know that we will look back and go, why have we only blessed two students with a high school education? I know that we can look back and say, why are we limiting ourselves to two worship services when there are so many children and families and people in Crozet that need to know the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of the cross now? I know that we can do this together. I can't do it on my own. None of us can do it on our own. But together, our talents will multiply. And I do believe with all that I am and all the power and the authority that is vested in me that traces itself back to the apostles and to Jesus Christ himself, that this, this is only the beginning. What God will do through committed Christians who give of their time 
their talents, their gifts, and their graces will leave us kneeling in thanksgiving. And we are all a part of that. We are part of that divine plan. We are part of God's will. We are part of the call of Jesus Christ. I am trusting you in a few things so that I will one day give you many. So let us be the best stewards of not only what we have, but what we collectively have so that we will look back and we will say, Lord, you gave us 435 last month. Give us more today. You are the means by which God will transform Crozet. God has already started to transform lives within Crozet and all the way down to Belize because of you. And Dominga thinks she wants to be a doctor. I doubt the world has heard the last of Dominga. I thank God for you in my prayers every day because what you do here completely confounds my mind. And I know that this is not the close of the golden age of Crozet. If anything, we have not yet begun to see what God can do in us and through us. May our legacy grow because we are invested in one another and in the least of these. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.